Two words. Black Adam. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Grund. Kirk and Anthony are here. Hey, guys, we're back to talk about those superheroes again that only put out high-quality things. I was going to say movies, but it's not just movies anymore. It's everything. Yeah, I don't like using the word content because that sounds like a very kind of influencer, youtube kind of thing, but... Uh, right. I guess that's the most appropriate phrase for it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, but <laughs> these are definitely both content. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, especially one of them, is just like we got to put stuff on this streaming service. goddammit. it, spot fillers. We gotta yeah. have it, and if it's it fits enough of a niche, then you can enjoy it. That's yeah. That's the, definitely down the path that we're in right now. Um, but mm -hmm. before we get into that, I would like to go over some older superhero content. I found a note in one of my notepads for work recently okay this is from 2019 this is from october 2019 i don't know about you guys but um you know i, I don't really like live and die by like stats you know <laughs> sure <laughs> that's not really a thing that i do but numbers are fun and so mm -hmm. it's uh it could be entertaining to sort of like look at things like Rotten Tomato scores and box office numbers and kind of like gauge what a franchise is doing essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. So essentially what I, I, I did is I sort of predicted based off of the then current DC films, what the upcoming DC films would do critically and financially. Oh, okay. So I have predictions here for birds of prey, wonder woman, 1984, the Suicide Squad, and The Batman. Mm. And once again, it's... it's You gotta sort of remember that uh, this is pre-pandemic. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, to kind of give you some reference points, Aquaman was at a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes and made over a billion dollars. Shazam was at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with uh, $365 million. And Joker was at a 68% with a billion dollars as well. Okay, sure. So it's like, well, some of these movies make money. And uh, it seems that the ones that make money don't have the best scores. Uh, that seems to be the, <laughs> the the rule there. Sure. So Birds of Prey, once again. This is uh, the fall of the year before it comes out. That came out in like February, right? It, so. Yeah, I saw that on Valentine's Day, a double feature uh with sonic the hedgehog that's right so, yeah yeah some of the last films to release before everything shut down so yeah my guess is that it would have been at a, a 50 to 70 percent on rotten tomatoes just because i didn't think it would gauge really well but you know maybe not too low um and i figured it would be below 700 million because my my guess mm -hmm. was like it's harley quinn suicide squad did really well you know, um, even though that movie sucked, box office wise, it did well enough for a film, a bunch of characters that nobody had heard of. And Harley Quinn was like on the rise at that point. She was so like popular. Mm -hmm. So Birds of Prey had a 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, so higher than I thought. So impressive in that regard. Yeah, yeah. People really like that movie. With a 200, uh, a 200 million box office. Well... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's funny because there is a, a combination of things there because people will now look back and kind of misremember that time and go, well, you know, it was just before the pandemic. 
but the key word there is before because like the world went into lockdown in around mid March. That film came out in early to mid February. Right. So if people probably don't remember this now, but that film changed its title uh, because it wasn't making a lot of money. It had a really disappointing opening weekend, so they changed it to Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey, instead of Birds of Prey, and then in brackets, and the Emancipation, the fantabulous something or other of Harley Quinn, whatever it was. So Long, weird, uh, confusing title for people that watch yeah. superhero films. <laughs> Fucking Birdman-ass title. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, people will misremember, like, oh, it, it didn't make money because it was a pandemic film, but that's not really what happened there, so. Yeah. It just didn't make money. Yeah, I mean. It's poorly marketed. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 had made, like, a lot of money for being a kid's video game film, so, mm-hmm. yeah, there was they were still making money at that point. So, uh, then it gets really, like, abysmal. So, Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to Wonder Woman, right? Like, Wonder Woman was a huge success. It was a huge, huge success, both critically and financially. Um, I think it made like just under a billion, and uh, it was like in the '90s, the the first film. So my assumption was like, well, it's the same creative team, it's the same people, it's the same everything. So like, why would it change? I guessed an eighty to a ninety-five, mm-hmm. and after the success of the first one, this would be the first like, female-led superhero film to cross a billion. Like, this will be up there because that's just what movies made now, you know? Like, all the Marvel movies, the big ones, like your Captain Americas, your Avengers, your Iron Man 3, like, they make billions. Star Wars made billions. Like, this was just the thing. Jurassic World made billions. Wonder Woman was going to be one of those franchises. I didn't anticipate the movie being bad. (laughs) The one-two punch of the pandemic and the movie being bad yeah (laughs) it's a really unfortunate combination i didn't see that coming so wonder woman uh 1984 has a 58 percent on rotten tomatoes generous and it made 169 million at the box office yeah a little off on that one um the suicide squad now this is once again this is uh 2019 i'm making these predictions so it's like Sure. Really nothing to go off of on that. Um, I guess I sort of based it around other James Gunn properties. I noticed that the second Guardians had like a lower Rotten Tomatoes score than the, the first one. And so I kind of thought mm-hmm. like, well, you know, it's the Suicide Squad. It'll be James Gunn humor. It might not be for everyone. I'm guessing a 60 to an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's the Suicide Squad. It's a sequel to a movie people didn't like the first time. Made a lot of money, but people don't necessarily like that film. I think it's still going to sit in their mouth, even though it's going to be a different thing. It's going to make a lot of money, but it won't go higher than $600 million. That was my guess. That's a fair guess. Yeah, I figured. It was like, you know, it's from the guy who made Guardians, so, but not a, you know, not the same thing. The Suicide Squad has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics loved that movie, apparently, which is <laughs> fair. I love it, too. Um, yeah, same. And a box office of $168 million. Uh, This was during that period, much like Wonder Woman, where they would release the film same day on HBO Max. So it's an R-rated comedy where uh, you're going into it. Either you're aware of the last one, you're not aware. Is this a sequel? Is this a reboot? It has the same title almost. Not really sure what's going on. I'll just watch it for free at home as opposed to going to a theater. So it made $1 million less than Wonder Woman 1984. So... Oh, well. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, the Batman, which, uh, once again, 2019, we know nothing about this movie. I just assumed with it being a Batman movie, it's interesting. Uh, it's probably going to do well because Batman movies don't do poorly. Like even mm-hmm. bad Batman movies do fine enough. So I theorized an 80 to a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes with over $700 million at the box office. And I deserve a fucking medal because the Batman has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and $770 million at the box office. <laughs> so that was... Well done. That was the one that I got right. And, you know, you can say, like, technically we still are sort of in this pandemic, so... But obviously the box office numbers don't seem to be as affected by the pandemic anymore. So you can kind of go with that however you will. You can sort of estimate of like, well, this is a movie that was supposed to come out in October, came out in March. Uh, did that affect the numbers? Whatever the case, it's it, it made enough money for them to be talking about it still as, as possible sequels and all that stuff. So yeah, that was the my brain space in 2019 and... There's no way I could have predicted all the shit that would have went down in the following years. So it's it's kind of incredible looking at that. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys do this. Like, you know, sometimes when I'm bored at work, I'll sort of just look up movie stats. Like, I'll I'll check, like, the, uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies are now all done, right? And <laughs> right. so it's like you check. And you're like, you see the, the gradual decrease in both uh, rating and, like, box office. And you're like, well, there goes that franchise. And it's kind of just, you know, it's it's like watching a graph. It's just kind of fun. You know, just numbers. Yeah, yeah. I did that video a couple of years ago now on um, the... Actually, it was only last year. It feels like it was a couple of years ago. Uh, on, like, the different Warner Brothers box office results from the past... I think I went back to 2015 and went from there. Because it felt at the time like the HBO Max same-day release decision was a very bold decision that was not necessarily going to pay off like why would you sacrifice the box office for all of these big movies for for the suicide squad and for wonder woman and for the matrix and like all of these films it it felt like why would you just sacrifice that and it was to establish hbo max as one of the big streaming services um of course that's all changed again because everything's changing with warner brothers it's very hard to keep up with what's happening there uh but i do think it's funny you mentioned with the batman there's no evidence to necessarily support this theory that i have but i do think (laughs) that that movie would have made a lot more than 700 million like i think it probably would have gotten a lot closer to the billion had they not then released it on hbo max like three weeks after its release or whatever it was um it it might have been slightly longer than that but it felt really quick and i was thinking i don't think it would have necessarily had the same level of success as top gun maverick but that is a good example of a film that everyone just felt like they had to go to the cinema to just keep seeing. I mean, that was still making a good amount of money up until its end, like the, the final days of its cinema run. So True. I think the Batman, if they had only released it in cinemas, like word of mouth was so big that that was a good movie that I think it could have made more money for a longer period of time. I don't know if it would have been The Dark Knight, but I think I'm looking at something similar to that where people just have to then go and experience it for themselves. So Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of factors to kind of look at it in, in terms of like mm-hmm. the confusion of the multiple Batman properties right now and the HBO Max thing. That and too, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting time. Unless you have 
That seems to be the case nowadays. Unless you have the hype of, say, the Marvel Universe behind you, it's not very likely that uh, you're going to get too much. Even with a character like Batman. Like, I think a lot of that is that confusion of what is and isn't you know, part of these worlds and people sort of grown accustomed to a certain kind of superhero flick. And I'm not saying Batman isn't like a, you're at, like, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's bigger than it is, you know, be one of those people like, mm-hmm. it's not just a Batman movie. It's more. It's like, it's a Batman movie <laughs> to be fair. It's a, it's a very faithful Batman movie. If you're saying that it's not, it's, it's more than a Batman movie. It's really not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a yeah. very solid Batman film, but you know, I think it was just, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that I think can be really dug into and discussed and maybe look at some similar stats and kind of compare and contrast. But it's, it, you know, it made money and people still talk about it. It's, it is now the film that when a new film comes out, people will say, is it better than the Batman? And uh, we'll, we'll get to DC's next big film uh, later in the show. So, fun. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you mentioned the confusion of all the different Batman uh, things going on and like Batgirl being cancelled and people like you know reading about the news and being like wait Michael Keaton was going to be Batman in that what the hell does that mean like you know if you're not like in the know or like keep up with this news like we do that is super confusing but like I was at uh, I don't really watch television so I don't see TV spots for movies so much but I was at the gym and I saw a, a TV spot for um, Black Adam but what caught my eye was like it started with the shot from Batman vs Superman of like the torch being shunned on the uh, the batarang, yeah. And my brain like recognized that imagery and went, "What the hell? Why is that on the TV?" <laughs> and I realized, "Oh, it's a TV spot for Black Adam." And they, they uh, really want you to know that this takes place in that DC universe. Yeah, like it's uh, it's pretty 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 hard on on really driving that that home. Yeah, so I found that amusing, but. Uh... <laughs> well what are we going to start with uh i guess we've already started what are we going to discuss next well let's let's shift over to the other big superhero property machine let's talk about marvel everyone's favorite marvel at least it used to be everyone's favorite um it's uh they, they had a new thing come out that we both watched it was a tv show called she hulk do you remember the show? Did you remember watching it? It came out like a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I think it only ended like last week, didn't it? Um, yeah. I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, we talked about the first episode of She-Hulk. And uh, oh, yeah. we were like, <laughs> oh, we're interested to see where it goes. And I think this whole time I've been, I was kind of excited for the show. Well, I, I, I want to temper that a little bit. Excited is a... It's a relative term. I was interested in watching the show. It's a very strong <laughs> word. I will say the biggest positive I think about She-Hulk is that it was a TV show. The problem with so many of these Disney Plus Marvel shows is that at the end you're like, that could have been a movie, or like, you know, there's a filler episode here, or like there's too much crammed into the finale. Like, I really enjoyed Hawkeye, but that finale has like five different plot points that they need to wrap up. And it feels very messy as a result. Um, yeah. Now, this one, I don't think it stuck the landing with the finale the way other people do. Uh, I definitely don't think it did. But... You don't think that She-Hulk was the best thing Marvel's done since Endgame? According no, I to do Simon not Pegg? think that. Is, that. is that what Simon <laughs> Pegg said? Simon Pegg, co-writer of Star Trek Beyond, said that... that 
Yeah, he said that. I don't know what I'm saying it again. She-Hulk was the best thing since Endgame. That was his words. Does he watch the rest of this stuff, or is that... I don't know. Um, <laughs> he hasn't watched anything since Endgame, I guess. Okay, I'll just get into it. Um, I, you and I had joked... I don't think this was on one of the pods, but you and I had joked ages back, maybe when they first announced She-Hulk. We were discussing, will they do what they do in the comics, where she's sort of fourth wall breaking, and she's popping out of, like comic book covers and saying buy my issue don't buy the x-men or whatever um and i joked like do you think she'll walk around like the disney lot and we kind of laughed and said no that would be way too far Mm -hmm. well i guess it wasn't um (laughs) i I, the fourth wall breaking and the self-aware superhero stuff isn't really my taste like deadpool isn't my taste and um i sort of prefer the way the the self-aware nature of like the boys handles that like that's kind of more my taste if you're gonna do that um whereas with she-hulk blatantly saying hey we're marvel we do this all the time and it sucks and you're an idiot for liking it (laughs) like it's just i don't get that at all that's weird to me um i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying that's weird and i just didn't really care for the the fourth wall breaking stuff as much the longer it went it was super inconsistent i thought like and people will be mad at people complaining about this because like it doesn't have to make sense it's fourth wall breaking but i think it has to draw the line somewhere i mean she is a like she makes jokes about like the edward norton hulk and like in that finale she's talking about like you know knowing that the mcu was a thing but also she didn't know who daredevil was when he showed up or matt murdoch and it's just like ah that's inconsistent i don't know why that has to be that way i don't know that sort of thing sticks out to me maybe it doesn't bother other people that's fair yeah um no i I get what you're saying i get what you're saying because it's you're you're right like that's the tough thing about fourth wall breaking um because i i don't mind it if it's done in a fun way um because I, I liked, uh, conceptually, I liked the, the whole ending. I think it was a really good way to sort of uh, get that part of the character. You know, like we joked, she does that in the comics. And we never really thought that they'd go too far with it. But the fact that they they did, like, I, I don't know. I liked the, the Disney Plus gag. I thought that was, like, done well. Because it, it obviously was on the streaming service, so it looked exactly like, like how it was. Mm-hmm. This will never be put out on physical media, so it's not like they no. have to worry about that making any sense. <laughs> That's true. So, they have um, to do it for a DVD menu instead. They, they make a new one purely for the physical release. That'd be kind of funny. Um, but you're right. There is a little bit of an element of, of like, hey, we're going to point out our flaws and then not fix them. It's like, oh, thanks. Congrats. You know, congrats yeah. on doing the thing where you acknowledge that you guys do the same thing over and over. I was thinking about, because um, obviously we have a new Black Panther movie coming out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the first Black Panther, because I haven't seen it in a while, since it came out, actually. And I was like, that's a good movie, right? Yeah. And then I was thinking about, like, the third act. <laughs> yes. And it's like, oh, that, <laughs> that's like, it sucks like every other one of their, their movies where... You just have this awful-looking CGI battle between two Black Panthers, and it's boring, and it just gets so big and obnoxious, and, you know, there's there's bits in it that are silly, like battle rhinos and whatnot, and it's like, that's fun, at least. But then, yeah, I'm, I was reminded of Black Panther doing the bit from the first X-Men movie, where he, he swings around. 
Oh yeah, um, like Wolverine on the the one of the yeah. points of the crown of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, Black Panther does the exact same thing. He does it, and it looks about the same amount of quality. <laughs> yeah, except it, it. I think it looks worse because at least the X Men one, you know, it's <laughs> it's in darkness, like it's you know it's in nighttime against yeah. the night sky, so they can hide the imperfections of it. Whereas in it's like that digital lighting in that in Black Panther, so it looks worse. That's a that's a good point, but. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So it's that weird thing where you're acknowledging that it's bad, but you're still not going to... Like, you know the next Marvel movie is going to have a similar problem, most likely. Um, And, yeah, I think also a part of it maybe comes out at, like, a bad time, you know? Like, they didn't know that people were going to start to be vocal about how awful it is to work on their their shows if you work in the VFX department. Yeah, they should have redone that. That, uh, That was bad. Yeah, it's just in poor taste to make fun of stuff like that whenever news articles are coming out about it's like they're overworked and underpaid and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a bummer. Uh, not happy to see stuff like that. Uh, but overall, like She-Hulk on the whole was a show that I watched very casually. There would be weeks where you would message me and be like, hey, did you watch She-Hulk? And I'm like, I forgot that came out. <laughs> Let me... Luckily, their episodes are short, so let me watch it real quick. Okay, I watched it. And I occasionally laugh. I get a good chuckle out of it. There were some ideas that I really liked. Um, yes. Some non-superhero-y stuff that I really liked. Like Same, it, yeah. The, the, the episode, and I don't know people's sort of general opinion on this show, but the episode where she goes to uh, Abomination's, like, sanctuary, and they have, like, the whole, you know, group therapy session i thought it was it was fun because it got into some unique ideas and it was it was different you know Uh, i'm a big proponent for like there's so much of this content out there i don't need everything to be a big superhero battle thing like if you kind of want to do something a bit of a different show that i guess same thing with like uh moon knight which i've gone on record saying that i hate that show um (laughs) that ends in like a big over-the-top superhero showdown thing uh, to the point where they don't even bother showing the big finale, which is, that's a bold move. Um, so it's like, part of me wishes that could have been different. And at least She-Hulk had some different stuff, but ultimately I'm not going to watch this show again. It was just kind of a passing sort of thing that I had and I enjoyed. And now I'm ready to move on with my life because it was just a Marvel show that I, you know, I don't hate, but I don't love. And I think, you know, that's fine in today's sort of climate. Yeah. It was just a show that happened. I don't have strong feelings about it. Same thing with Thor. The last Thor came out. It was it good? Yeah, not really. But I don't really care to defend it or hate it or anything like that. I think my feelings are a little... Well, they definitely are stronger than yours towards both of these. Definitely with Thor. With She-Hulk, I think what I'm most frustrated by is that there's a lot of stuff in it that I really like. And then there's other stuff that I just really wasn't into and wasn't my taste. So... It, that's a frustrating experience when it's like, but oh, I like this and I like this, but I really don't like this. And that's where that can be rough to... Like, I'll never sit down and watch it again, probably, but um, right. to quickly wrap up my thought on the, the fourth wall breaking thing, it's not necessarily that I don't like fourth wall breaking, I should clarify. There are shows that do it and do it really well. I mentioned a few episodes back, Fleabag does it incredibly well. Um, I'm not praising Kevin Spacey when I say this, but House of Cards, um, in the uh, early seasons of that, or the the two seasons of it that I watched, 
Um, I, I thought the fourth wall breaking, that was really fun. And it's not like Spacey's character was aware that he was in a show. Same with Fleabag. But they are talking to the audience. That's where that sort of crosses the line a little bit if you also want to play up that she has no idea who Matt Murdock is. It's like that, and then it starts to fall apart, logic-wise. Because I also feel that way with its ending. Like, I was actually interested in who the, uh, the, the King Hulk, Hulk King... Mm-hmm. It was Hulk King, because it sounds like Hulkling, yeah. Because um, people were wondering if the the Hulk King was going to be Hulkling from the comics, which I guess it wasn't. No. Um, but I was sort of like, oh, I wonder who that is going to be. I hope it's not, surprise, it's a famous character from the comics, and I hope it's someone from the show. And it was that, but I also thought like the stealing of the of uh, her blood was going to lead to something and, and, and be kind of... Like, I was invested in some of that stuff. And then for them to be like, oh, this is stupid. And then, like, take it away. I, I didn't like that. <laughs> That's just how I feel, I guess. No, it's kind of, a, is it feels like you wasted your time because you spent yes. weeks paying attention to, like, okay, where is this going? Where is this plot line going to go? You know, just because it sort of fits into, like, the gimmick of the show doesn't necessarily, like, make it good, <laughs> you know? Yes. So that's fair. Uh, I guess that's, we, we've sort of had this conversation before, but... See, this is your your problem, Kirk, is you're still invested in the Marvel Universe. They they are putting out <laughs> things of varying quality, and you are going, you know what, I'm going to treat you like an adult and, and watch your things and, like, try to care about them, you know, because I'm paying money for some of this stuff, and, like, you're making these things, so I should care a little. And that's your problem, you know? <laughs> just, just stop. It, it is my problem. Yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> care about this crap. Yeah, I thought uh, Tatiana Maslany was really, really good as Jennifer Walters. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, I mean, I thought a lot of the uh, actors in it were good. I mean, obviously, I, I thought Ruffalo was was good with what he had, and I, you know, Charlie Cox is really great as Matt Murdock, and yeah, I, mean, I love Benedict Wong and and uh, Tim Roth. You know, gave a quirky performance, and like those guys, you all expect to be good, but a lot of the supporting uh, characters. You know, they're underdeveloped, but they were fine in their roles. And uh, um, Prometheus, what are, what's his character's name in the show? Prometheus? Is Prometheus an arrow? Oh, um, you're right, that guy. I don't remember his name. Um, but he he started the show off as sort of like the, you know, the straight man. And mm-hmm. he got really goofy um, in a good way. There was, he had some yeah, really funny Yeah, they changed his character. Which was yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Um, I was actually thinking that maybe he was going to be the Hulk King because I was like, he's such a blank slate character that maybe it's him. Um, and I was glad it, it wasn't because I actually thought the stuff where he was undercover as a, a douchey dude was really entertaining uh, in that finale. So Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine with I I laughed enough. Yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't the best thing since Endgame, but I guess if you've only seen like The Eternals... Maybe it was. I don't know. Not that I think Marvel have put out like nothing but home runs since Endgame, but like I, I think uh, they've put out better stuff than this for sure. One division. division. Uh, yeah. Spider Man, even Doctor Strange. Like, yeah, this is. I would not rank this that highly, but no, that's just me. I guess we've watched some other stuff. Is there anything else you wanted to speak about before we get to the main event? Uh, well, I guess we can briefly mention Marvel did release something a little bit differently. The differently, what am I saying? They released a werewolf show. It's called Werewolf <laughs> by Night, 
and <laughs> they uh, released a Halloween special. Yeah, it was it was directed by a music man, which is pretty bizarre, uh, Mr. Michael Giacchino, and it was like pretty good. It wasn't great, but like if you like Van Helsing, you'll probably like this. That's my that's my <laughs> takeaway. Uh, yeah, I thought it was very good. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a nice one hour, very easy to watch special. Um, I thought it was was shot nicely, and uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I quite enjoyed it. It was nice to see uh, Man Thing, and it was <laughs> always nice, nice to, to see, see Man the, Thing. Always nice to see Man Thing, and it was nice that Man Thing was a uh, uh, like a practical deal there. That was nice, and it was it was a totally fine special. I would not be mad if they did more of those. I am not saying that we need more stuff from the MCU. Good God, that is not what I'm saying, but. If they did more one-off specials like that, instead of feeling like they need to, like, well, this can't be, you know, a a movie that we release in cinema, so we have to make it a show. Like, okay, the Echo show might be really good, but I am worried going into that. It's like, uh, everyone's just already excited to see Kingpin and Daredevil and that. Like, I don't know if she she really warrants having her own show. Or the, uh, the Agatha uh, uh, Harkness thing. It's like that could maybe yeah. be a one-hour special. That probably doesn't need to be a six to eight episode show. So. Yeah, next Halloween, do that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Um, it, yeah, like leave the shows to to ones where they feel like they can have more of an overarching story, like they did with Falcon and Winter Soldier, or something that's more needs to be a show, like format-wise, like WandaVision or She-Hulk. Like I would stick to those as opposed to. I mean, I actually think that Secret Invasion looks pretty neat, but uh, I I worry about Armor Wars, which is back on the table apparently, and stuff like that. That's so. a movie now, so that is that. You're right. I forgot they changed that to a movie. They're like, we don't have enough material for eight hours of this. We got to make it a movie. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. Honestly, that's probably right. But I agree. Yeah, more of these hour long specials as opposed to these drawn out movies that's that's the way to go and i you know uh, technically speaking werewolf uh okay well i keep wanting to say american werewolf in london um (laughs) now that's a good movie yeah Uh, very different but i keep wanting to say that but it's technically my favorite thing marvel's done this year like it was just enjoyable so i liked that That, once again not exactly fighting for first place in my heart (laughs) that's high praise uh, yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. It was a fun watch and it was closer to being Marvel's first horror thing than their last first horror thing. And maybe next time they'll get even closer. It's baby steps. Like I said that about Dr. Strange at the time. It's like, this is not a horror film, but there are certainly some elements of it that are that way. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, this was straight up like a horror special. Uh, you know, there was blood splattering and there was, uh, creepy camera angles and, and creatures and that so yeah, it so had the it atmosphere a... it had the atmosphere Definitely. of it all yeah um but there's just a lot of that's why i kind of compared it to van helsing there's a lot of action a lot <laughs> of uh ladies in leather doing stuff with their legs kind of action sure so a little bit of that <laughs> talk about adult things okay i watched a movie uh called see how they run uh which sadly i don't think anyone has seen i've never heard of no it one's no one's talking about it. It is a whodunit starring Sam Rockwell uh, and and Saoirse Ronan. 
who I think is that how you say her I... name? I okay. So it's funny you say you've never heard of it because we have actually talked about this movie before, and you looked up the cast and you said Sayonara Ronan is in it. So oh. <laughs> I remembered that. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it was a very good film. Uh, it's set in the 50s in London. Uh, there's a, a film adaptation of an Agatha Christie play that's about to happen, that's being developed, and is going to be directed by uh, a character that's played by Adrian Brody. Mm. And Adrian Brody is killed. And uh, you know all of the, the people in the play and, and people that are connected to the play at the theatre and that are all suspects. And uh, it's a classic whodunit, and I loved it. And like I said, no one has seen it, and that makes me sad. Sam Rockwell does a good British accent. Ooh. And Saoirse Ronan is very, very entertaining in it. It was very good. Everyone should watch it now. I like Sam Rockwell, so that's enough of a, a pitch for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know I'm being silly, but uh, it, I, I legitimately thought it was great, so... <laughs> I know yeah. I'm being silly. <laughs> I guess that's all I have to say about that. Um, I also watched another movie that I did not have as much fun with called Amsterdam. The new David O. Russell romp. That old guy. Isn't it crazy that that man still has a career? I don't think his films are that great. Like, I like The Fighter. And Same. I think there's... I think um, uh, Silver Linings Playbook is, like, entertaining, but mainly because of the performances of the actors. Yeah. And then American Hustle was kind of, like, what exposed him a little bit. And then he did that other movie with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, which I can't even remember. Yeah, it's the, 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 I take the gun. That's that movie. She says that in the trailer. Joy? Is that what that was called? Sure. It's a real lady, anyway, right? Yeah. I might be confusing that with another Jennifer Lawrence movie. I'm not bothering to look this up because I don't care that much. My point is, he hasn't made a good movie in arguably 10 years. And uh, he's been accused of doing some really shitty terrible things and all of these actors came back to work with him yeah this movie was boring i didn't like it christian bale was very entertaining his performance is the best part of it and that shouldn't really shock anyone um i mean he he was doing something with his performance like he swang for the fences is the way that i've put it uh he was very quirky and very uh out there and like no one else was matching him at all uh, Michael Shannon a little bit. He was he's always entertaining, but everyone oh, okay. else like just I I really like um, Margot Robbie and John David Washington, but they just were not on the same level as Christian Bale. So no, that no, was awkward. I, yeah, especially talking like that. Like those two are too young, and they don't have the they don't have the strength to jump that far. You know, yeah. like you mentioned Shannon. It's like I believe that. Like I believe yes. Shannon can go as weird if not weirder than bale if needed um yeah. so that makes sense but yeah those two i haven't seen a movie where where either of them can can kind of bring that you know i mean fucking one of them's known for playing a crazy clown and she's nowhere as like eccentric and weird as some of their characters <laughs> yeah um and michael shannon's not in the movie that much he and uh, michael no not michael halloween time he and Mike Myers uh, are oh. uh, kind of a duo in it. And and Mike Myers is is fine in it, I guess. But um, 
yeah, just just a very boring movie. And uh, there's a a scene where Chris Rock, because Chris Rock is in it as well. Uh, Chris Rock was doing like a very typical Chris Rock kind of racial based bit, mm. and uh, he was doing it as he's standing right next to Christian Bale. And, like, you know, Christian Bale doing his wacky out there performance, and they were both sharing this shot. And, uh, you know, and I was, as this was happening, I was wondering if I was having a stroke. Like, it just felt so, like, these two things <laughs> don't belong together in the same movie, let alone the same shot. Right, right. So that was did, weird. Did he get, like, hit at all, by chance? Is there any physical contact made to Mr. Rock? No, no one hit Mr. Rock. P- people hit Mr. Bale, but oh. no one hits Mr. Rock. Okay. Um... And uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift is in it. Uh, yeah, right. And I, I didn't see this in a cinema, but I kind of wish I'd seen it, like with a bunch of uh, Swift fans, Swifties, I think they're called. <laughs> because uh, she, spoilers for this crappy movie, uh, in the first like 10 minutes or so of the movie, Taylor Swift is killed. She is pushed in front of a car. And we see her get crushed by the car. No no blood splatter or anything, but she gets trampled. And it was the kind of thing that was so, like, shocking and sudden that I laughed. And I started thinking <laughs> back to when I saw Dunkirk. And I saw it at a very fancy cinema. And I could see, like, these young, like, teenage girls, like, sitting a couple of rows in front of me. And I was thinking, oh, that's cool. They came out to a cinema like this for a film like this. And, and then I saw them all, like holding back their squeals as Harry Styles came on screen, and I went, oh, that's why they're here. And I was thinking, like, man, imagine watching this scene where Taylor Swift just gets brutally, well, sort of brutally killed in, with a bunch of Taylor Swift fans. That would have been funny. I don't wish any harm upon Taylor Swift, but just the reaction of her fans, her crazy, crazy fans would have been funny. <laughs> Didn't she just release a new album? Did she? I think so. I think I saw something about that. I don't really follow Taylor Swift. No, neither do I. I think I saw something about she has a music video with uh, uh, Laura Dern or something. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad that you're still seeing these movies. I was going to see this David O. Russell film, and then I decided, nope, I'm good. And it sounds like I made the right choice. You did. Yeah. Um. Did you see any other movies? Is that all you saw? Yeah, that's all I saw. That's all the new stuff I saw. I'm watching a bunch of other stuff, but uh, <laughs> I'm not watching Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> what is that called? Dahmer, the, the monster, monster story, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get back on a train of things that uh, people have seen that aren't good, because you talked about a movie experience. I saw a movie recently. You didn't see it. I, I didn't. You're right. I don't know I what just, you're about to say, though. just figured you'd chime in. I don't know what you just <laughs> fucking said on it. What do you want me to say to that? No, I didn't. You're correct. Yes. Next. Yeah. Um, I saw Black Adam. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, don't don't watch it. Um, I don't really... I'm so baffled by this, because this is a movie that I shouldn't be thinking about as much, but... The internet reaction is driving me crazy because this is such a just a movie, you know, like it's just a 
it's just like a, a generic action film. Like all the Rocks movies, like I imagined Rampage was, or, you know, whatever the hell else he does. I don't know. I don't watch his films. I don't really like The Rock. Um, I, I imagine this is like the same thing as like uh, those Godzilla movies, you know, like Godzilla mm. versus Kong came out last year, right? I did um, see that one. And like people really like those films because they want to see the giant monster fights, right? Like that's the yeah. appeal of those movies. And that seems to be the appeal for like this movie. But like we're not in a drought <laughs> of superhero action films. So like I don't really get the appeal. So okay. Um I'm just telling you it's bad. Kirk, uh you you haven't seen the film. Um I'm I'm just gonna tell you the film to the best of my recollection. Say- you can spoil it for me because I will probably see it with friends, but I'm not invested in Black Adam. I mean, we've been joking about this thing forever. If anything, I've just been entertained by uh, the creative things that people do, like on the, the build-up to this, like the marketing, how people have manipulated that, um, how ABC took uh, fake tweets about <laughs> The Rock being sad that the Queen can't see Black Adam. And ABC oh air this, and they say, is this fact or fiction? This is fiction. The Rock did not actually say this. Someone photoshopped this. But then you edit out them revealing that, and it just makes it look like ABC are reporting that The Rock is a terrible person. That's entertaining to me. That's awesome. I didn't see that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, okay. I'll send you a link later. It's pretty good. But uh... I saw somebody... This is a very classic thing. I don't know how often you see this, where somebody will like try to get less celebrity to like retweet a famous person. You know, like a bad person. And so I saw someone talking about how it's like, oh, they had a family member, like a cousin that used to be like in the armed forces and their favorite character was Black Adam and they won't be able to see it because they passed away. And then the picture is like Chris Benoit. And it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's it's this attempt to get celebrities to unknowingly, you know, support or share, you know, something controversial. And The Rock directs. <laughs> so... Yeah, there was that. But so the, the, I'm just going to I'm going to spoiler warning guys. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it, you want to know all the details, just know we, that I didn't like it. It was bad. You can skip ahead to the end, I guess, or whatever. Um but I'm going to go ahead and try to t- I've seen obviously I just saw the movie yesterday, so I'm going to try my best to tell you everything that I saw. Um and I will react accordingly. Yeah. The theater was gross. It was a it was a <laughs> It was uh, it was the first time that I saw it on like their big uh, XD screen. That's what I think Cinemark has, and it was just like you get you know if you guys are Red Letter Media fans, how like Mike will describe theater goers. There you go. Uh, that's all you need to know. There was like a woman who like took off her shoes, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're in a theater, not your home. Put your fucking shoes back on i don't want to see your disgusting feet yeah it's pretty gross really gross um when the film starts the warner brothers logo came up and there was like a glitch in the sound where it cut out for like just a second and i was like dear lord is this what i'm in for do i have to watch black adam with like horrible audio and the (laughs) opening of the movie is a flashback with narration over it and the narration is like really echoey the rest of the movie isn't like this, but the narration is. I'm assuming to like give you the feeling that's narration. But I can't tell that because I've never heard anyone else speak in the movie yet. 
So I'm like, what is happening? Is the audio screwed up? I have no clue. <laughs> so awful, awful experience there. Um, the, the narration is setting up this idea of like thousands of years ago, the people were enslaved by a king who wanted magic rocks to make a crown that summoned the power of five Satans. And that's, that's like the gimmick. And it's teasing you with like this child rose up and raised sort of like a rebellion and was gifted the power of Shazam. Already a weird thing. Because in the trailers, do you remember the trailers for this movie, Kirk? Um, isn't it, uh, my son was taken from me and then I was exiled or something? Yes. The movie, the whole movie is hinging on a twist that you think the son is Black Adam. You know, the same way Billy Batson is Shazam. Mm -hmm. The movie leads you to believe that the son is the chosen champion and was the leader of the rebellion and is Black Adam. But if you saw the trailer, you know that isn't the case. So there's a reveal of like, I wasn't the champion. I'm his father. And it's like, I know. <laughs> like they do this. They do a whole thing where like the little kid stands up and his dad like saves him. And it's like a, a more of a scrawnier guy. And his face is like constantly. It, the, the contrast is really high in the flashback. So like the shadow is like on this man's face. So you don't see him. But you can hear him. It's obviously the rock. But then it's later revealed that that was The Rock talking this whole time. We even get shots of Dwayne Johnson's head on, like, a, uh, a normal-sized body. It looks like the first Avenger, but even worse somehow. That is exactly what I've heard. It looks like Skinny Steve, but worse. It's really funny, the fact that they did that. And, yeah, that's a whole part of the movie. There's one twist in the film, and it's that the, the Black Adam character is not the child. But in no way would we have thought that that was the case. So... I have no idea how they fucked that up. <laughs> Whoops. It would be like if, like, the Dark Knight Rises trailers just called, you know, Marion, uh, like, Courtyard's character, Miranda Tate, just, like, Talia. Like, you'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck? Of course it's Talia. I saw the trailer. You yeah. Know, it's like that. So, this movie, I was describing it to you earlier before we recorded... It, it very obviously there's there's sort of a an a extreme sort of connection to like X Men, you know, because we have the Justice Society who like live in a mansion and they have a big black jet and it comes up, it comes out, of up out of the ground. The basketball court. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's already that element of it, but it does kind of feel like X Men, and maybe there's also like the Egypt ties and the fact that we have this like badass loner character as our sort of window, but. It kind of reminds me of, like, the first X-Men movie where you have this character that's introduced to this already established team, and they sort of, like, say, hey, play by our rules, and that's kind of the thing. Except it has all the the, the flair and the bullshit of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Except instead <laughs> of Hugh Jackman, it's The Rock. And, okay, so, like, The Rock is, like a very charismatic guy, right? Like, he's always smiling. He's got a good energy. He's got this, like, very playful attitude. And we know that he's not always serious. I know there's that whole thing of, like, I can't lose fights. Like, if I if, if I get hit 15 times, I got to hit him 16 times. Like, there's a whole, like, counting system. He can't lose fights. He can only get, like, ties, essentially. Whole weird wrestling mindset. Um, but we know he could do comedies. He can have fun with himself and... There is that element. Not in the film. It he 
He's supposed to be, like, stoic, I guess. And there are elements where it is supposed to be, like, a fish out of water, kind of like Terminator 2, kind of Drax-ish, where uh, there's a... He, he'll often, like, just, like, barge through a wall. And it gets to the point where Dr. Fate, like, you know, Black Adam smashes through a wall again. And Dr. Fate says something like, Did they not have doors in your time? And and The Rock says, Of course we did. That's how we got into rooms. And they, it's like... Oh. <laughs> and that, that's the comedy of the whole film. Is this, like, weird... Like really obvious here. There's a there's a there's a there's a a fat uncle character who's like always singing "Baby Come Back." Uh, he's really funny. It's hilarious. Um, it's really lame. It is the. <laughs> I'm going all over the place, but I'm trying to establish just how like weird and almost like AI generated this movie feels. When we get mm. back from the flashback, because it establishes as like the Black Adam showed up and he defeated the evil king and. Kondok is now uh, this like modern day. It transitions from like 3,000, 5,000 years ago to modern day. And like on cue, the world is a vampire. Ding, 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 ding. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and it's showing like, you know, the city is now being run by Intergang, which is like a group from like DC Comics. And it's playing fucking Smashing Pumpkins. Um, which you know, it's funny now to think about it because Billy Corrigan, uh, wrestling, you know, there's a wrestling connection. There's a connection there, and but there's a DC connection. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Wow, on mm. a lot of different levels. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just like the most sort of generic kind of choice to be like, and now it's modern day. Let's play a song from the '90s. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what is that about? It feels very like first suicide squad because like you know it's like despite all my rage i'm still just a rat in a cage it's sort of establishing that black adam has like a rage problem i guess uh, we'll get to another one that's even fucking worse but like we get established this current age thing uh we get our, our kid character who rides around on a skateboard all the time even when he doesn't need to he's always on a skateboard he feels like a 90s character like totally tubular it's weird. He's the most annoying kid ever. Like, he's he's supposed to be, like, a superhero worshiper. He's got, like, comic books in his backpack, and his room is filled with all the Justice League posters, which, of course, is just, like, actual comic book posters and things, but just in this world. And it, of course, brings up that question of, like, how, what, why, okay. This universe is confusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I exactly. don't. Exactly. I don't understand why are there action figures of Batman and comic books of like yeah why is that a thing it's weird doesn't make any sense um and it's just like things are bad the city is under occupation um because they're trying to find the, the 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 crown is made of something called Eternium which I guess is a reference to like the Rock of Eternity um the first time they said it I thought they said Eternia like yeah. where He Man lives yeah. That's... <laughs> But hmm. I, I, I guess it's supposed to be like the Rock of Eternity, maybe, you know, which if you saw Elvis, you should know about. Rock of Eternity. Got to Marvel Jr. Um, I, I guess like we have like a, a boy and his mom who are trying to find a way to like save their land because it's like, ah, oh, these people, this like organization is like taking over our land and we need like a savior 
because like there's like history tales of a savior from Kondok's like ancient times. So it's like, oh, we got to like figure out what's going on with that. And so they go into a tomb and they like, you know, read the magic words and then like all the inner gang soldiers are there and it's like, oh, shut up. And then, you know, he gets released and it's it's Black Adam. He comes out and he's like blowing shit up and he, he turns a dude into a skeleton and uh, it's fine until we get into a big action sequence where he goes outside and there's like all these guns and planes and jeeps and tanks. And I swear to God, it starts playing paint it black. Get it? Because it's Black Adam. And the whole scene is in slow motion. It's like a Quicksilver scene of him going around oh. and like it's like a dude throwing a like a grenade in slow motion. He like grabs the grenade and like puts it in the dude's mouth. Meanwhile, it's like <laughs> It's oh my god! It's it really was just like oh mm, black yes okay let's put this in. <laughs> There's no reason for it. Just uh, it's funny. I went to a convention a few weeks ago now, and I hated it, and I left very quickly. But its main sponsor was this Black Adam movie, and there was a section dead in the middle of the floor that uh, was like take a photo and post it on social media, and you go in the chance to win a. A poster by Boss Logic or something like that, and um, uh, they were playing music. And I'm realizing now that every time I walked past it, it was a song that had black in the title. I don't know if these are all in the movie, but I remember uh, uh, Black Velvet was one of them. Uh, I can't remember the other one now, but no, that's that's funny that that's also <laughs> in the movie. Like that wasn't some stupid marketing person. They did that right. in the movie. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't remember the context of the other song that they play, but the other song is that no one man should have all that power. You know, the, yeah. uh, and I was like, this was in the 2017 Power Rangers movie. So like, this yeah. is like the same quality. <laughs> That's what I think of too. Cause it's, it might be called power or something. Hence power. Rangers, yeah. 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 And there's that part of the song that goes like brown out, which sounds like brown out, down, down, down. <laughs> um so so the i guess the gimmick is like black adam's here he's fucking shit up um we cut to uh a mystery man watching a bunch of screens of like disasters happening and uh amanda waller contacts him and is like we need you to get in there and he's like i'm assembling the team and so this is our introduction to the justice society and i will say Technically speaking, the Justice Society is the best part, but we get so little with them that I can't actually care about them. Like, we get enough with Hawkman and Dr. Fate, like enough, but like if you told me your favorite character from this was Cyclone or Atom Smasher, I would call you a liar because they are just there. Like, they're enough. They have personalities. I'll give them that. Like, Adam Smasher, played by uh, Noah Cinematic Universe, uh, he's he's kind of like the the new kid, you know. He's uh, he has a quirk because of like he's got like growing powers. He's always eating to keep up his metabolism. Um, and then we got Cyclone, who's sort of like an intelligent girl, and she's a lot more like casual and free and nice, and like they all have their thing. 
Hawkman is like very serious. He's he's like um he's kind of like if you would imagine like a later year Cyclops. Like he just he's here to get the team together and it's it's like, you know, all business, no, no messing around, kind of wanting to prove himself mentality. And then you've got Dr. Fate who is a uh, like old-time friends with Hawkman. Like there's a whole thing here. And you're like, wow, I should have known these characters, I guess. <laughs> like it almost feels <laughs> like they should have been introduced already. But they aren't, and they're all just, like, just enough to, like, recognize them, but they don't actually get anything to really do. Because the whole gimmick with them is that, like, they're a superhero group, and they're like, Black Adam, you're doing things wrong. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm doing things right. And it's like, you can't kill. And he's like, I don't care. And then, like, the mom character, and, like, eventually the whole city is like, Fuck you! Let him kill. He's awesome. <laughs> it's, like, it's supposed to be this kind of comment on like how this country was left to fend for itself, and now that we have one of our own defending us, you think you can come in here and kind of like boss us around? But then like Black Adam is not a good person, but then the whole city and all the characters rally or like around him, like to the point where at the end of the film, where our characters come together and they have like a mutual respect for one another, like Hawkman is like you know. We don't, you know, we don't do things the same way, but I respect you, man. He's like, you don't really have, you know, what I would consider being a hero. And the mom character steps in and she's like, yeah, but he has what heroes won't. And it's like, he's a murderer. Cool. Great. Like, what a, what a cool thing for your hero to have. Like, have him. Freaking weirdo. But that's it. That's all these characters are here for is to kind of be like, we're traditional superheroes, but we couldn't get the job done. It took Black Adam to do it. And that's, <laughs> that's about it. Um, I hate this. Yeah, I mean, Black Adam is, is made to look very strong. He doesn't lose a single fight. He's barely ever hurt. There's one point, because it's established that the Eternium can hurt him. And, like, some of the intergang have, like, their weapons infused with it. So it's kind of like kryptonite, and it can, like, damage him. But, like, he just sort of zaps himself together, and then he's fine. And then that's it. Like, he doesn't lose a fight. The only fight that he technically loses, he willingly gives up. And, like, that's it. Um, and then people have been really kind of, like, talking about the action in this movie and how good it is. And, I mean, it's like I mentioned with, like, Godzilla and, and Kong. It's It's just, like... I've seen this. I saw X-Men Apocalypse. I saw people fight in a CGI sort of like brown town, you know, like where all the buildings are the same color. And the remember how they're like, oh, Black Adam, the, the, it looked all like how Hollywood makes Egyptian and Mexico films. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. And then like a trailer edited that. Um, well, they didn't change it in the movie. It still looks like that in the movie. It's still this very murky brown color for most of it. So there's... It's just normal. The action scenes were like serviceable, but I didn't care about any of the characters enough to like worry about them. There's there's one action sequence that I like, and once again, I think Doctor Fate is the best part of the film. Um, Kent Nelson, we've got Pierce Brosnan playing the character, um, and he just has like the general presence of what you'd want from the mystical, you know, elder in a film. Uh, he's wise, he's kind, he's all those things, and he does it really well, and. I mean, his powers are pretty similar in presentation to Doctor Strange in terms of movies, 
you know, I've, I've seen that thing where it's like, oh, people are going to say that they copied Marvel, but let's not forget Dr. Fate came first. It's like, yeah, but not this Dr. Fate. Like, yeah. the comic book character did, and the comic book character does different things, but in terms of the visual, like, he can he can do, like, a couple things. He can, like, do, like, a crackly mirror thing, which sounds familiar. He can make duplicates, sounds familiar. And then he can make, like, a big onk and, like, smash it with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's his big move i wish he had said get onked on when he did it because he does it like two or three times in the movie um and he had the one good fight in the movie because there's a, a whole thing where this movie doesn't really have like a villain to care about uh there's a guy who like betrays them and then gets the powers of the demons and whatnot and he becomes like a big satan man and there is a pretty cool visual fight between him and Do uh, dr fate where, like, he's, like, created all these duplicates, and he's sort of, you know, you think you have the right one, but then you don't, and it's, the camera's moving as if it's, like, every shot is a reflection, so it's, like, you're moving, and then you realize, like, oh, this is, like, the reflection of his helmet, and then we move some more, and it's kind of, like, a weird sort of optical illusion thing, where it's, like, almost like a, a continuous kind of, like, moving out of the helmet, you know, where you got scared of that Venom thing on, on Instagram? Oh, sure, I was gonna say, be specific. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> it's like that, but it's it's like a fight scene, and mm. it's through Dr. Fate's helmet. And, like, that's, that's the only thing in the whole movie where I was, like, visually, I was like, this is cool. Like, I... It does sound like, cool. none, of the, none of the fights are bad. They're all just, like, they're normal, you know? And there's a lot of slow motion, like, a lot of slow motion. You know, you can criticize Zack Snyder, but at least he uses it more appropriately, I feel, than this in this movie. It's just a, a lot of slow motion where it doesn't need to be. And, like, I'm, str I'm struggling to kind of tie in the story at this point because that's all the movie really is. It's like Black Adam wakes up. The Justice Society shows up. They fight. Then they agree not to fight. There's an elongated thing where, like, the kid gets kidnapped and they got to find him. That was the shot I posted online where Black Adam is, like, flying down and his head, like, they do this dumb perspective, almost like a fisheye lens thing, where he's, he's his head looks way bigger than the rest of his body, and I thought it looked very funny. Um, it was, it's kind of like that new trend right now, where it's like, we want to achieve, like, the GoPro look. They did it in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They did it in the Batman. Um, but it doesn't replicate that. It just replicates the feel of looking silly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, overall, it was just really embarrassing it's just sort of fight scene to fight scene there's no scenes where we sort of get to know the characters there is no character moments really there is no like settling down to breathe it it's like the whole movie takes place across maybe a day or two and it was just a matter of getting to the next fight scene it's there's nothing there's no villain because black adam is essentially the villain or the justice society depending on i guess how you look at it and then when they finally team up we need a villain, so then you get a villain. I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. People are sort of taking this as that, like, oh, fuck the critics. Like, this is a fun movie. And they're using that for this when it's really just sort of like a, a generic action film with superhero paint on it. And I don't, I don't get the hype. I just don't understand why this of all things. And... I mean, I don't know. There's some stuff that was just really embarrassing. There's a point where, like, 
Black Adam gets knocked out, and so they take him to, like, their place in this kid's bedroom with all the superhero posters. And the first thing he does is he wakes up, and, like, in a, you know, a fight-or-flight sort of response, he, like, shoots lightning out of his hands, and it burns the face on a Superman poster. And it's like, oh, my God. And then later, when they're when he's fighting Hawkman, I think... Um, they're like smashing through the walls and like on, it's like a shot from outside in the hallway. It's like the door. And that was kind of visually nice. Um, he like, that's like a Superman chest emblem and black Adam's fist like punches through it. So there's like two very blatant instances of like, Oh, this guy is going to fight Superman someday. (laughs) Oh my God. How about the fight right now? You know, like what's wrong with that? Uh, the best part of the movie was they established that, uh, cause Adam Smasher is like the more recent iteration of the character, like the sort of modern version who is, I believe in the comics, the son of the original golden age, Adam, who they established. Cause I think in the movie, he's his uncle. They established that he, there was an original Adam and he's played, played by Henry Winkler. What? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he's like, he's you know, because they're, they're calling the team to the mansion, and uh, Adam is like, Adam Smasher is like on the phone, he's like doing like a FaceTime, and so Henry Winkler did his bit for this movie over like Zoom, and you know, he's doing a whole bit, you know, because he's like, oh, thanks for letting me borrow the costume, and he's like, hey, make sure it gets back in one piece, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, in this universe, you know, in the DC universe with the Jason Momoa Aquaman and it's you know Henry Cavill <laughs> Superman. Henry Winkler was the original Golden Age Adam who we like he had the power to grow like Giant Man, and that's that's all. Imagine the Fonz in a in like a superhero costume. <laughs> I guess that's what you got to imagine because it's like obviously it's old Henry Winkler in the movie, but it would have been young Henry Winkler, Happy Days, Night Shift era Henry Winkler as mm-hmm. a superhero. Hmm. That was like the best part of the movie. I I mean, if they want to do more with the JSA characters, I'd be fine with it because I really dug them in terms of like a superhero team that was like trying to get stuff done. You know, I liked Hawkman, to be honest. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, because there's a whole bit where Dr. Fate can see the future. They also say Dr. Fate is like possessed when he wears the helmet, but he's like totally not. There is a shot in the trailer where he's got like the Iron Man vision yeah um, I saw that. that only happens in one part of the film um that is not a consistent thing and the only reason they're doing that is to convey that while he's doing this like big battle with the the devil guy sabak he's actually communicating with black adam who like surrendered himself but now they need him back in the fight so it, there's a purpose behind it he's not always doing the like iron man vision thing it's not a consistent sure. thing so that's fine he's still not possessed by nobu or, or anything like that so whatever but i like i liked him he 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 can see the future he sees that hawkman dies so in the end battle he's sort of like because it's established pretty decently that they have a friendship like they're clearly the last two members of a former team um and so they're they're like good friends at this point and they're like they do the classic thing of like you know they they have their back and forth and then later they repeat each other's dialogue to each other kind of being like huh you listen to me but now you're using my words against me we are truly friends it's very 
basic, but it's there at least. Um, unlike The Rock, who plays a stone soldier throughout this entire stupid movie, and the <laughs> stupid mom and the stupid kid who are like obsessed with him, but can't do anything. That kid is so terrible. I hate this kid so much. There's a part at the end where he's like trying to rally everybody, kind of symbolizing that the 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 Rock's kid from the beginning of the film is sort of, you know, he's representing the modern version of that. And he's like yelling to a crowd of people, but like he's not yelling. He's just talking. And it's that classic movie thing where it's like you imagine people in the back row being like, what? <laughs> I, can't, I can't, can't hear you. You know, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so Dr. Fate goes in, in Hawkman's place and basically gets himself killed in order to change the events of, of, the, of, of fate itself so that they can live. And uh, it was it was fine because it's like I don't know what the the character served its purpose. You don't really. I wasn't expecting Doctor Fate to be in future films, especially when it's played by Pierce Brosnan. Um, sure. And with a character like that, he could always come back as like a a ghost or you know like like he did that in Young Justice. So like I don't see why not. It's you can you can bring him back in a different way. Um, I don't think they're gonna do anything with it, but like I could see them doing like a, a movie or a show where a new character picks up the helmet and then is like being tugged between Pierce Brosnan's character and like the spirit in the helmet kind of like trying to control him. And maybe, maybe they want to do something with it. Maybe they don't, but like his character served enough of a purpose. He was fine. He, he looked good. Um, there was, there's a, there was a part where, like, the fat uncle character who wasn't funny gets, like, shot. And, uh... Jesus. He's... Uh, <laughs> Dr. Fate shows up, and he's like, I'm Dr. Fate. And he's like, oh, Doc, you're like, how bad is it? You gotta help me. And Dr. Fate is like, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> he's like, oh, am I gonna die? And he's like, I, I have seen your future, and you do not die here today. And I think he does some sort of magic to, like, help him out a little bit. And he sort of passes out. And then Dr. Fate just sort of does, like, a motion of, like, well. And that was it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it looked very funny. Um, so everything that I enjoyed about this movie, nothing came from Black out of himself. There was never a point where he did anything purposely entertaining or funny or whatever that I connected with on any level. I, I found him extremely boring as a character. There are people praising Dwayne Johnson's performance in this movie, and I absolutely do not get it. He is he's he's a brick. He's he can't be hurt. He can't be like defeated. He's an overpowered it's like everything that people complain about with Superman, where it's like, oh he's too OP, there's no threat. That was Black Adam. That's all he was. And he didn't care. He would kill people, he would do whatever. This is what like people make fun of of Superman. They made a movie about it, and people are defending it. I, it's incredible, and I don't know. I'm not like the biggest Black Adam fan, but at the same time, it's like I know enough about the character to where I would like him to be. Like right now, he's like a, a superhero. He's like a part of the Justice League. He's a full on good guy. But uh, of the stuff that I read with him, he's way closer to like a Namor type, which is ironic, you know, because he's about to be in a movie. Um, where it's like, he's not a bad guy, but if you mess with him, he's, he has no problem taking you out. And there's like an interesting sort of understanding of that character. And that's what it looks like it's going to be in the new movie. 
where it looks like you're going to have an understanding of Namor's sort of place in the world. This, it's all tell, no show. Like, we get it. Like, you've had the very basic elements. It's, it's like a Roland Emmerich film, you know, where you, you, all the pieces are there and it's like, oh, that's enough. Like all the imagery, all the, the backstory, it's present, but there's no breathing room. There's no actual uplifting moments. It's all just so boring and so generic. And the, I feel like the only reason people are hyped about this is because of a, of a literal after credit scene that is only like a minute long not even. And that's it. Because that... <laughs> spoiler alert. I already said spoilers at the beginning. Superman is in the film. What? We all knew because The Rock said it. Did you see? There's an article today where it was like, producer of, of Black Adam is upset about the Superman leak. It's like, who are you mad at? The Rock? The Rock. <laughs> like, which producer? Was it The Rock? Is he mad at the leak? <laughs> he, he's mad at some guy. Who leaked this? Looks in the mirror. <laughs> Who did this? And that's, it's like we all knew it. And so that is the after credit scene. Because uh, we get this this thing where, like, the movie ends and then here, everyone goes their separate ways. And they're like, oh, the people want a king. And he, like, gets on the throne. He does the pose, you know, where it's, like, the, the slightly raised knee and, like, the hand up. And it's, like, the, that famous bit of comic book art that they've made for all the posters and all that stuff. Mm. He does that, and he goes, it feels not right. And he, like, flies up into the air and smashes the throne. So that thing, that imagery, is, is that's not the movie. That's not the character. Oh. That's not what it's about. If you're expecting an almost, like, Doctor Doom-level character where it's, like, you know, he's like, I just want to be a dictator so I can rule correctly. You know, like, Sinestro. He's one of those. Not in this movie. That is not the case at all. <laughs> so... Mm. Not a lot like the character that I'm familiar with, but I get it. He's been around a long time, and it's The Rock. He can't be a full-on bad guy because it's The Rock, right? Can't have people boo him. He'll be confused like the Royal Rumble 2015. That's true. <laughs> That'd be an amazing. I wish, I wish Black Adam had done that. I wish he'd fucking fought somebody and everyone booed him, and he went, huh? And he looked around <laughs> and then pretended to yell at someone backstage. So... He's basically, he's, he's the protector of uh, this, this land now. And then at the end, Amanda Waller sends a drone to, like, talk to him. And it, it's very dry Amanda Waller of, like, because uh, I guess the whole time, because he's like, oh, my name is Teth Adam. And the kid's like, you need a cooler name. You know, you need, like, a catchphrase. Uh, and then at the end, he decides to call himself Black Adam, which is kind of funny, only because it pays off with Amanda Waller very sarcastically being like, well, Black Adam. Like, like basically making yeah. fun of him now That's for having great. a stupid name, um, which fits in the character. She's not a problem because you know. <laughs> Viola Davis just, is great. <laughs> yeah, she's she's good at her role, yeah. but she basically says, "I'm like, you don't want to be in my prison. Fine, this place is your prison now. You step out of conduct, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> He's like, "Who on this planet can defeat me?" Ha ha ha. He's like, "I'll call someone from not this planet," and so he blows up the drone. And then you see a silhouette come down from the smoke. I guess she called him really fast. And uh, I don't exactly remember what he says. But Black Adam, we need to talk. <laughs> he doesn't say that. I wish he did. Um, oh, he says, it's been a long time since someone made the world this nervous. That's what he says as oh, he steps God. out of the shadows. <laughs> 
And in a not in I will say the the delivery of the line of he's basically like, we need to talk. Like it it's it feels very like I'm not gonna fight you. It does feel like hey, can we talk about this? Which is very Superman, and it's Henry Cavill. He's back in a very shiny, oh. very metallic suit. Um, I had posted a meme online of like what you order versus when it arrives, because there are a lot of people in the Snyder camps that are very happy about this movie because it's bringing back Henry, which apparently Warner brothers didn't want to do. And thus bringing back like the Snyder verse in a way. Um, but this Superman mm-hmm. has like the, the hair curl, the bright colors, John Williams. Theme. This, is, this is not Snyder cut justice league. Uh, there wasn't a John Williams theme. It didn't play the theme. I don't think. Oh, Maybe I, it did. I, I thought it did. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't. If it did, it wasn't as like. Sure. It wasn't very loud. But it didn't go. Um, ding, ding. Like I would have been happy with that. That yeah. would have been fucking cool. Um, so he's back, but it's not the same. Like, it's a Superman that they want. You know, it is. It is the bright, colorful Superman that people have been asking for. The 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 Superman that you imagine on a birthday cake. That is who this is. Hero cake. That's what the Rock wants. <laughs> yeah. So Superman finally gets his hero cake. He gets, the, he gets to be time. a hero cake. Um, yeah. And then that's it. Um, uh, I I really think that's all people are leaving with. They're just happy that Henry's back because they love the character. You know, they love Henry Cavill as Superman, and that's enough for people. This really was like a very just by the numbers, very basic, boring superhero film that happened to have Superman at the end of it, and. I like seeing Henry, but I don't. I don't want to see the Rock fight, uh, uh, Superman. You know, like before the movie, we got the trailer for Shazam Two: Fury of the Gods, and it was funny because it's like, oh man, there's this is the, this is that character that uh, <laughs> that they're not tying into right now. Yeah, that's that's funny, and like I liked Shazam quite a bit. That's one of my favorite DC movies now. And, um, you know, the new movie looks good. I'll, I'm excited to see it because I liked the first one. And I'm thinking about, it's like, gosh, him fighting Superman sounds so boring. But if Shazam is involved, because Black Adam is so boring and he's so bland and he's so nothing, to have him against Zachary Levi, well, that would be great. You know, like, Zachary Levi is is a ball of charisma, both in and out of character. So to have this this character that's a lot of fun and bubbly and can make jokes versus a brick wall, you know, with Superman being there, at least that's something. Like, Superman isn't funny enough to make The Rock interesting, but if Zachary Levi is, is making fun of The Rock the whole time, then I can do that. Like, I can at least digest that better than Superman versus Black Adam, because, like... That's the same as Aquaman versus Black Adam or Wonder Woman versus Black Adam. It's just a strong character versus a strong character. Who who cares? That's it's nothing, you know. <laughs> like I don't know. I saw him fight Hawkman in this movie and Hawkman held his own. Who who cares? Apparently Hawkman could probably do pretty well if he doesn't die after getting hit once from these superpowered characters. There is a, a part where they sort of mention of, of, of like, I saw you die. And he's like, I, I'm not afraid of death. And I was like, well, yeah, because you get reincarnated. Uh, but they never say that. So I don't know if this version does have the whole reincarnation thing. But it was funny that that character had a line like that when in the comics. It's like, well, 
he would come back. So <laughs> why would you be afraid of death? I don't yeah. know. It's a little silly. Um, so yeah, that was Black Adam. I don't know. Like I, there was a point while watching it, I was like, "This is fine, I guess. This is whatever." But like, once it got to the ending, it had just gone on long enough. It's not even a long movie. It's it's just at two hours basically. I was just so done with it, and I just didn't want to be there. And going online and seeing people be like, "Bro, the critics are wrong on this one. This is spectacular." It's embarrassing. It, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I just, I found it really, really bad. And I I can't believe that this is what people are deciding to like do with their time is defend this movie. This movie is what you're defending. It's like defending a Transformers film. What are you doing? Well, that sounds amazing. It was something. It was, it was something. It, if they do decide to bring back those JSA characters, I would be mildly interested versus they announcing Black Adam 2. I am not interested. I am not interested in that. But eh, they want to bring back those other characters. I'd, it'd be something. We'll see. I've spoken a bunch on this podcast about how I feel about The Rock. And I'll, I'll just in case people haven't heard this, like I think The Rock is probably like a real swell guy. I, I reckon he's like a really fun guy to to spend time with, to hang out with, if that were, you know, an opportunity uh, to do. But I also think that, you know, he created his own production company, and I, I think that's really commendable. You know, he came into the film industry as this charismatic pro wrestler who, what the hell were Hollywood going to do with someone like him? He can't be a typical leading man. Look at him. And, uh, you know, he, he really slimmed down for his days of doing... Uh, you know, like Tooth Fairy and Get Smart and all of those movies, and and then he, he bulked up, and now everyone loves him, and it's, you know, good for him. But uh, he's created this production company, and he makes a lot of very self-indulgent stuff. He made that Young Rock TV show where about his own life, <laughs> and, uh, and, and where he plays himself in the future running for president. Yeah, so I don't hate The Rock, but I do just find him to be very, very cringe and very fake. And uh... he's a showman. The Rock is like a real showman, you know, like like the real uh, P.T. Barnum. <laughs> that's uh, hey, that's a great way to put it. He that's learned for the to... best. Yeah, it's a great way to end this. Uh, the Rock is P.T. Barnum. Go see uh, uh, Black Adam. Anthony, where can people find you online? You can find me at Anthony Lantern on Instagram and Twitter. I am also Anthony Reviews, where Anthony Reviews on YouTube. And, you know, as we never bring it up, but uh, I just remembered, honestly. Uh, if you could, like, review the show, you know, if, if you can, that'd be nice. Uh, whatever app that mm -hmm. you're using, just give us a little review. Let us know what you think of the show. And that way more people can know about it. And that would be great. That way more people can tune into us bitching about stuff and then they can turn it off, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if this is the episode to, to promote that as much, but if you do like us, I, I'm one of those people that absolutely despises begging people for, like, subscribe and, uh, or like, you know, smash that like button. Like, I hate doing that stuff. I despise it with a passion. But... You gotta do it. The reality is... If the only way to grow your audience is with those engagement tools. So, hey, if you could leave us a a, a, a five-star rating or whatever it is on, on uh, 
the Apple podcast app or, you know, review the show there. That would be really cool. Yeah. I'm at Kirk Beatty on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter. Anthony, do you have a song? I do. Is this going to come out before Halloween? It should, right? Yes, it will. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll 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 sing a little bit of a of a spooky song for us. Ooh. Are you ready? I hope I am. When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a singing wake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a daft disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize.